0: Ask you an interesting question: What is America? What does it mean to be an American? Now that may seem like a simple question, but it may not be as simple as you think, because there are many viewpoints out there. There are many viewpoints among professing Christians. There are many viewpoints among pastors. There are very viewpoints among politicians and uh, just everywhere you look, among educators. What is America? We find this to be an interesting issue because we hear this constant comment from politicians, our values, our values, our values. What they're really trying to say is, this is what it means to be an American. But they never define the values. Have you noticed that? They never ever ever define those values you know why they don't do that because they know that the majority of the people are not going to agree so when they use the term values what they're really doing is using a form of deception to make you believe that what you believe those values are to be an American is what they believe when the opposite is usually true. So, the question then looms before us today. What does it mean to be an American? What is America anyway? Part of the answer to that question depends, as always, upon your viewpoint. Let's suppose that you're looking at this from a legal perspective. From a legal perspective, then, you're going to be looking at the corporation or incorporation aspects of a formal government known as the United States of America. That's what you're going to look at. But the reality is that that was not the founding of this country. That was the fruit that came from a different root. So, if we want to find out what it means to be an American, we may need to go back and look at the root of what it was to be an American, to pursue life on these shores. On the other hand, Victor Davis Hansen has a piece that came out in Epoch Times recently called The Disappearing American the disappearing american now he has a very different viewpoint he's conservative but i dare say he's not christian because you never hear him talk about anything of christian nature he is a secularist a conservative secularist or he would talk more about spiritual things so as you read his article you find that his version of america is very different than say my version of America. Because my version of America, from the very beginning, going back to my earliest days in elementary school, was that this country, my country, was founded for an express purpose. There was a raison d'etre, a reason for being for the country. The question is, what was it? What is it? Is it the same today as it was then? And when was then? 1776? No. 1776 was the beginning of the rebellion against Great Britain that ushered in a corporate America. But long before corporate America came... Spiritual America. Now, indeed, spiritual America was not purely spiritual, just like uh, probably your life is not perfectly spiritual, and most of our congregations are not perfectly spiritual. They're all mixed up. We see that, all mixed up. And we have a very hard time separating or understanding or discerning the roots of, from the fruits. The psalmist made an interesting statement. I'll never forget it. He said, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now, the presumption, underlying presumption of that verse, has nothing to do with economics directly has nothing to do with climate, con- climate control, has nothing to do with uh, law enforcement, has nothing to do with crime, has nothing to do with any of those things. It has to do with the very foundations of the country. In other words, those foundational truths that united the people from the get-go to begin to form a country, a more perfect union, to establish justice, promote domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity. So it was for those things our Constitution secured them For corporate America, that was the fruit that came from the root. The root was biblical. The fruit was practical. It was a practical application of the root. But what happens if the roots are cut away? What happens to the plant that's growing above the surface if the roots begin to be eaten away by varmints or lack of uh, rain and so on? What happens? When the roots begin to disappear, the fruit begins to disappear. And therein lies our problem. It's not really a mystery. It's quite simple. The problem is that we don't want to admit, we just don't want to admit the truth about our founding, about the raison d'etre for the country. Did you know that this country was ordained to be a lighthouse to the world? Did you know that? Now, if you understood that, wouldn't that make a difference as to how you viewed what it meant to be an American? If you understood and agreed with that, going back historically into 1630, for instance, would you not have a completely different view of what's transpiring in America today and all of the prognostications and all of the arguments and all of that that consume our conversations, and they're all almost worthless because they do not deal with the foundational issues, the roots. So today we're going to try the reports, a little bit more on the roots, and see how it goes. back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. We're asking the question today, what is an American? What is an American? What does it mean? What does America actually mean? Now, before we go further into the root aspects, let's look at Victor David Hansen's evaluation of the fruit. He's calling it the disappearing American. Help wanted. Now hiring signs are everywhere. Construction projects, healthcare care services are delayed due to labor shortages. There's a growing disequilibrium between the number of available jobs and the declining pool of workers needed to fill them. What's going on? Now when he asks the question, what's going on, what he's actually doing is, shall we say, begging for an answer that goes below the surface to explain all of these symptoms of the disappearing American. He goes on to say former full-time employees became used to the new, more leisurely lifestyle and are loath to return to a full uh, 40-hour week job. And yet we used to be known as the hard workers in the world. Now, not so much. And when Joe Biden tells us that job, joblessness is at a very, very low ebb, it just isn't true. It isn't true. If it were true, then why is it that you have all of these help wanted signs, now hiring signs and so on, everywhere you go? We need to be honest with ourselves as we listen to the prognosticators that are attempting to pander to our sensibilities and make us feel good. America, said Victor David Hansen, is experiencing a perfect storm in which only 61% of the able workforce is currently officially employed. Did you hear that? only 61% of the ABLE workforce currently officially employed. Does that not fight against the allegation or, or the uh, uh, promotion by Mr. Biden and his administration that uh, joblessness has fallen to the lowest area ever? Apparently, 39% of the country. The ABLE workforce is currently unemployed. Victor Hansen goes on saying there are more potential parents than ever before. And the American population has soared to more than 330 million. But our population is radically leveling off. In just 14 years, the fertility rate has crashed to 1.64 from 2.12, meaning that both citizens and resident aliens in America are not replacing themselves. That's going along exactly with what's happening in Europe. Why is that? When God says, be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth. Apparently we don't agree with that anymore. And it goes back to the issue of marriage. You see, there's a reason why marriage is important. Marriage is important not just to, uh, shall we say, birth children. That's a very important part. Be fruitful and multiply. But also to establish a relational foundation that's stable in the country. That that relational foundation is not stable anymore. Thirty years ago, America had 80 million fewer people, but a quarter million more annual births. So what happens, or what explains the disappearing America, or American, asked Victor David Hansen. Historically, as westernized cultures become more affluent and leisurely, Whether it's ancient Rome or modern America and Europe, they birth fewer children even as their appetites for more household and personal help spike. In other words, this is an historical pattern. The more we shift away from God's purposes for the family, For marriage, the more our country disappears. It's disintegrating. Europe is disintegrating. Rome disintegrated through the same pattern. Bread and circuses, they said. Playing games, always playing games, always entertaining, and lost their courage and their conviction to virtue. Victor Hansen goes on to observe, life apparently is seen as too enjoyable to invest years in raising children. Americans are certainly marrying later, having fewer children in their 30s rather than their 20s. Women now make up nearly 60% of undergraduate college students. Too many men are still living at home, not fully employed, often in debt, hooked on social media, video games, with scant interest in marrying, much less raising children. In other words, they have no sense of responsibility. But that used to be part of the foundation of the virtues of this country. We were renowned for personal responsibility. Today, that concept has fallen on very hard times. He was on to write almost 20 abortions for every 100 American pregnancies or one in five pregnancies are terminated. And currently, only 65% of children grow up in families with both parents. Wow. What is this telling us? This is telling us, these are the statistics that are revealing the disappearing fruit because of the Disappearing Root. He says, finally, there are historical downsides, economic, cultural, social, and military, to nations that shun child raising. They shrink in size and age, no longer believe in transcendence, become mostly agnostic or atheistic, and obsess on the self. They eventually become dysfunctional and slowly disappear. We have a selfie culture, don't we? It's all about me. What more can I be but what I am? Hmm. Wasn't that Frank Sinatra? What more can I be but what I am? In other words, it's all about me. I want to be me. I want to be me. What more can I be but what I am? And if you don't recognize me for what I want to do, then forget you. Now, that's the negative side. Yesterday, we revealed that an unholy war has erupted as Republicans are challenging Joe Biden for funding atheism. Why would Joe Biden, as a proclaimed Catholic, be funding, intentionally funding, atheism? Why would he do that? Obviously, his roots are not what he pretends them to be. The fruit is revealing the root. He can claim all he wants, as can Nancy Pelosi, about their wonderful loyalty to the Catholic Church. Where do you ever hear their loyalty to Christ? Never hear that. So Republican members of Congress have launched a challenge to Joe Biden's decision to use taxpayers money to promote the religion of atheism fifteen GOP members wrote Biden and Secretary of State Antony Blinken recently about a State Department program implemented last year that would award grants of up to five hundred thousand dollars to organizations committed to the practice and spread of atheism and humanism and namely in South Central Asia and in the Middle East and North Africa. As the congressman said, to be clear, atheism and humanism are official belief systems. In other words, religious belief systems. All right. Why would he do that? He's doing exactly the same that Barack Obama did. Remember? Barack Obama went to Africa, and he met with the presidents of Africa, and he did everything he could to coerce them through economic incentives or threats to buy into the homosexual agenda. The HGTV, excuse me, uh, you, you know, the homosexual agenda. That's what he did. And the African presidents rebuked him openly. Now, Joe Biden is doing the same thing. He's seeking to promote atheism and humanism in the Middle East, in Northern Africa, and in Asia. Why? He does not embrace the vision of America. He doesn't know what America is even about. I believe it was one of our presidents who said, if you do not know what you are about, what your country is about, there's no way you can ever lead them in a positive way. You can't do it. Because you have no direction. No direction. So what is the direction? How can we reset? Everybody's talking about the great reset. How about a different great reset? How about a reset to godliness? A reset to godliness. Yesterday, we talked about the amazing event of, uh, in track and field at the World Games in Oregon, where Sidney McLaughlin, who became the celebrated person for the entire world event, the celebrated person, broke the world record three times during those games, has gone way beyond what anybody could even possibly imagine. And here she is, says, I want God. God is my refuge and strength. He is my shelter in the time of storm. He is my savior. She's bold about it. Then we have Myra Flores, the new congressman there in Texas, who amazingly upset a 100 year. Pattern and was elected to Congress, and her theme: make America godly again. That's the real issue. America can only be great if America is godly. She got it right. She got it right. The problem is. We think we want America godly, but not quite so much. <coughs> That's our problem. We want there to be we want America to be a lighthouse to the nation. But we want to do what we want to do. And we want to do it when we want to do it. We want to divorce our spouse whenever we want to. We want to remarry when we want to remarry. We want to lie when it's convenient. We want to do, in other words, we just don't much care what God's viewpoint really is. We don't care. So, we have abandoned the roots of the country, the spiritual roots of the country, and therefore the fruits are revealing the destroyed roots. It's not a mystery, friends. It's very very simple and it is not complex. It's not complex. We want to think it's complex, make it appear to be complex, because we don't really want to do what is necessary. If we did, we'd repent, wouldn't we? We'd come clean before God in the most unbelievable way. We'd fall on our faces before Him, from pulpit to view,
1: Prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org.
0: How could America again be a lighthouse to the world? A spiritual lighthouse to the world. Remember, it was John Winthrop, a godly attorney, who first penned those words about, We shall be as a city set on a hill. It's just another way of saying America was to be a lighthouse. To display the glory of God across the seven seas and seven continents. That was the vision. And it was expressed by a lawyer, nonetheless. A godly lawyer, John Winthrop. Who came over here in his 40s, left his family in not-so-jolly-old England for a while, and brought over four boatloads of Puritans, And before they landed, he penned what some historians believe to be the clearest expression, the most comprehensive and penetrating analysis of the relationship between character and society in America that was ever written. And you know where that came from? You know who wrote those words? Uh, It may come as a surprise. Five Berkeley sociologists in their best-selling book, Habits of the Heart. Berkeley, known for his hyper-liberalism, and here five Berkeley sociologists in their classic book, Habits of the Heart, have said that what John Winthrop penned in his model of Christian charity was the clearest expression of the American vision, purpose, and raison d'etre ever end. Does that not sound important to you? Well, it sure did to me, and that's why I included it in the appendix of our book, Renewing the Soul of America. The best expression of what America was to be and become, and it's a prescription for healing America's broken heart today. And his words remain a model of what life in America was meant to be. He said, we must delight in each other, make others' conditions our own, rejoice together, mourn together, labor and suffer together, always having before our eyes, our community, as members of the same body. He was talking about a Christian community. A Christian community. That's what he envisioned this country to be. a Christian community. Then in his multi-page document, which is in the appendix of our book, Renewing the Soul of America, he sets forth all of the various aspects, the corollaries of the vision, how it would come to be if, if we would obey, if we would be faithful to the calling he said that which most people in churches only profess is a truth. We bring into familiar and constant practice. We must love our brothers without pretense. We must love one another with a pure heart and fervently. We must bear one another's burdens. We must not look on our own things, but also in the things of our brethren. We must, nor must we think that the Lord will bear with such failings at our hands. He goes on to say, "...thus stands the case between God and us. We are entered into covenant with Him, with God, not King George, not we the people. We have taken out a commission. Now, if the Lord shall please to hear us and bring us in peace to the place we desire, then He has ratified this covenant and sealed our commission." and we'll expect strict performance of the articles contained in it. But, there's always a but. If we neglect to observe these articles, which are at the ends we have propounded, and dissembling or playing games with our God, shall embrace this present world and prosecute our carnal intentions, that's what America has become, seeking great things for ourselves and our posterity, the Lord will surely break out in wrath against us and be revenged of such a perjured people, and he will make us to know the price of the breach of such covenant. Wow. And that's not all. We'll save the rest for another time. I want to urge you to get a copy of the book, Renewing the Soul of America. I believe it will change your life. I believe it will inspire you. It will go back in our nation's history and lift from the past a heritage that can provide hope if we have the courage to implement it. Now, here's what Pat Robertson, chairman of the board for the Christian Broadcasting Network, wrote about this book. He said, what will happen to America and to the world if the people of this generation rediscover our spiritual heritage and commit their lives and the life of this nation to it? Chuck Meyer tells us in renewing the soul of America what can be done if we have the courage to make the right decisions. That courage hasn't been forthcoming yet. Just hasn't. Nancy Leigh DeMoss, who is now remarried, Woldemuth, says Chuck probes the heart and conscience of our nation with a rare combination of insight, directness, urgency, and compassion. This message desperately needs to be heard and heeded before it is too late. The late D. James Kennedy also responded with an insightful grasp on the history of our nation's founding added to a deep understanding of the judgment God has imposed upon the nations outside of his holy will. Chuck Chrismeyer clearly and crisply enunciates the choices facing not only America, but Americans in this dangerous period of our God-blessed but God-warned country. Those are just three out of 38 endorsements from Christian leaders all over the country for this book, Renewing the Soul of America. That should say something to you. It's an $18 book, yours for $15. You want to be inspired? You want to be informed, but also inspired at the same time? Would you like to have a vision recaptured for you in the context, the greater context of our country? Would you like to see how your life can make a difference? can be a lighthouse in your sphere, this book is for you. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, PO Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check add $5 for postage and handling. I don't think you're going to be disappointed, quite frankly. All right. For those of you who are in Massachusetts and Connecticut, again, I bring this message to you concerning our breakfast that is set for you on August 13th, Saturday morning, August 13th from 8 a.m. to 1130 a.m. It's at the Crestview Country Club. But in order to go, to get in, you must make a reservation. Nobody will be allowed in who has not made a reservation. Make your reservation. Go to our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Or give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. 1-800-SAVE-USA or you can write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. When you write a check, make sure you write on the check or a note. This is for the breakfast. Again, I urge you to seriously consider inviting someone else because that's something you can do to spread the news, to get the message out. That's one of the great benefits of this breakfast that we uh, have every year up there. It's, It's amazing. It just is. It unites people's hearts. Talk about a lighthouse. That's what really takes place. I hope to see you. With regard to the book Messiah. It is my understanding that that book. Will be shipping. On August 2nd. We should have that book. By August 5th. If you want to get. An endorsed copy of that book. An autographed copy. You will have to make your order. Before August 1st. After that. No autograph copies. So, you can go to the website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Order the book that way. You can write to us. You can call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. $22 will put this book in your hands. And I do not think you will be disappointed. It is a book for our times. To prepare the way of the Lord. Ushering in Yeshua HaMashiach as Messiah amid the vast array of opponents, ulterior messiahs that are presenting themselves all over the world. It's shocking. Go to the website, saveus.org, the book, Messiah. Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. All right, now, we want to talk a little bit more about this matter of a lighthouse. Did you know that Save America Ministries is, in fact, a lighthouse ministry? If you were to go to our website and search it out, you will find some fascinating information concerning Save America Ministries and the Lighthouse. It'll open your eyes to the meaning of it the light in ways that perhaps you never
1: thought Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore 1st century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by His Spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, Behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to SaveUs.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's SaveUs.org. Click Sell Church.
0: Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Meyer. In this segment of the program, we want to take a look at what it means What the lighthouse means, what does it mean for America to be a lighthouse to the world and to the nations? Now, Israel has seen itself as a lighthouse and thought that they were to be the lighthouse to the nations. But Israel has failed dramatically in that calling. They think they have not, but they have failed dramatically because they haven't embraced the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Then he turned around and said, as the Father sent me, even so send I you. Now, you are the light of the world. Now, it's one thing to hear that and and say it. It's another thing to believe it and embrace its implications. And that's what we have not done a very good job of. When the secular Frenchman Alexis de Tocqueville came over here in 1830 to try to find out what it was that made America great, perhaps his insights can give us some understanding as to why America was seen as a lighthouse and what has happened to her since. So here it is. You're you're familiar with many of these words. I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her commodious harbors. Somebody is clamoring, clamoring, clamoring to get a hold of us, I guess. I'm sorry for that break. Had to do it. All right. We don't want the tyranny of cell phones, do we? I saw it for the greatness and genius of America in her commodious harbors and her ample rivers, said de Tocqueville, and it was not there. In her fertile fields and boundless prairies, and it was not there. In her rich mines and her vast world commerce, and it was not there. Not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness, did I understand the secret of her genius and power. America's good, great, because America's good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. You can talk about make America great again, make America great again, but it will never ultimately happen until we make America godly again. And that depends on you and me and all of us who profess the name of Christ. It's not a theory. The Christian Church is and has always been the lighthouse of the nation. Although we enjoy freedom of religion, and respect other men's face, it was the Christian church that sowed the seeds of America's birth vision. It was the church that nurtured those seeds during the nearly two centuries before the nation's political birth in 1776. And it's only the church that can again breathe new life into a nation that is gasping, through every fiber of her being, for the oxygen of faith and a flow of moral truth that will restore her character and revive her heart. Can you say amen to that? But it gives great pain to me to confess that the light in America's lighthouse, the Christian church, no longer blazes its illuminating, purifying light into our national soul. Its flickering flame reveals a cold and waning faith, insufficient to fan the spiritual fire necessary to revive a foundering nation. It's not the nation, but the church that has to cry out to the Lord for revival. We dare not continue to bless ourselves with the blithe mantras of God bless America until the message of the gospel, again, becomes good news to the American mind and transforms the American heart. It's not about making birthing people as Christians. It's about making disciples, friends. So what has happened? How has the light in the lighthouse grown so dim? Is it actually true? Is there any incontrovertible evidence would support such a, an admission? And if it's indeed true, what must be done to restore the light of the Christian church in America? And who bears responsibility for her waning influence? Who carries hope for her revival? Is it the pastors? The bishops? The priests? The Pope? Who is it? See, the reality is we haven't really been willing to seriously answer those questions. You know who it is? You. You and me. America is not fundamentally a political institution. It is a spiritual unity of we, the people, to establish a godly vision for the country in real time so that the lighthouse of God's truth can be displayed across the seven seas and the seven continents to prepare the way of the Lord for history's final hour. That's... The real America. That's the America that goes back to the roots. But because we've abandoned the roots, the fruit that we are seeing is so painful. And we want to keep crying and decrying the fruit, by well, but but refusing to deal with the root, just refusing. You may think that's too strong. But I've been around a long time. Grown up in the church. Involved in many different denominations. My own pastor. My own father was a pastor for 50 years. His father and mother were pastors. Yeah. I know what this is like. My wife and I have observed the drift of the church since the 1950s. Having been married in 1966, this very day, we have watched the drift of the church. My wife continually tells me that when she met me on the front steps of her church, the Evangelical Covenant Church in Pasadena, California, And she began to see how much I valued and revered the Bible from the very moment we met. She said, that's my man. Well, we're at 56 years now as of today. 56th anniversary. Celebrate that with my wife. But drift, drift can happen in our marriages And drift can happen in our relationship with the Lord, in our vision with the church, and drift is inevitable. It happens to everybody, individuals, institutions, nations, and it invariably frustrates and often redefines destiny. I don't know if you remember his book, Robert Bork wrote in his book, Slouching Towards Gomorrah. With each new evidence of deterioration, we lament for a moment and then become accustomed to it. So unrelenting is the assault on our sensibilities that many of us grow numb, finding resignation to be the rational, adaptive response to our environment that is increasingly polluted and apparently beyond our control. As behavior worsens, the community adjusts to that conduct once thought reprehensible, but is no longer deemed to be so. That's where we are. And when you drift, you can find yourself adrift in the sea of relativity and can't find your way back. We need a clear vision. And that's what this program is here to do. Declare and restore the clear vision. To rebuild the foundations of faith and freedom as a voice to the church, declaring vision for the nation of America's greatest crisis hour, here on the near edge of the Second Coming. To confront the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective. Do you see the difference between what we do and how we handle issues here on this program compared with other programs, whether they be secular or Christian? Our primary focus here is not on the symptoms. Our primary focus here is on the solution. But we have to talk about the symptoms in order to clearly express the dramatic need for the solutions and what that will take. The whole Bible is predicated on that concept. The majority of the Bible is negative. Did you know that? The majority of the Bible is negative. Why? Because we, we the people are very stubborn. Israel is very stubborn, and so are we. So God has to get our attention and he does that through negative warning, then he gives encouragement at the end. If you go through and read the Psalms, you will find David lamenting over and over again, and then he resolves his lament by saying, but God, that I will trust the Lord with a whole heart. Now... Question, will the God we purport to serve gloss over the gross display of godliness, godlessness in our country with a glib grace? To what persons who profess his name will he extend mercy, and on what terms? The psalmist made very clear that the Lord is merciful and gracious. Here's what he said. He is merciful toward them that fear him, to such as keep his covenant, in other words, obey him, and to those who do his commandments. There it is. But we hate that. We hate the word obey. That's why we're in the mess we're in, friends. That's why America is no longer a spiritual lighthouse to the world. And if we have any, any hope of that being restored, It has to begin not with them, but with you and with me. That's how a nation is restored, not by political power. A nation is not restored by the Congress. It's not restored by the signatures of the president. It's restored by the witness and life of true followers of Jesus Christ. Notice, true followers. Those that fear the Lord, those that keep his covenant, and those that do his commandments. Very simple. Is that you? And if that's not you, in whole or in part, then that's the starting place to restore the light in the lighthouse. I urge you to go to our website saveus.org and check into Save America Ministries as a lighthouse ministry. I think it is going to open your eyes and I think it also will help you to realize you know what? I need to become part of this ministry. I need to become a partner. This is this is the real deal. This is the real deal. That is if we're serious about seeing the light in the lighthouse restored. Thanks for joining us. Become a partner. Get a copy of the book, Renewing the Soul of America. Uh, it's uh, $15 on our website, saveus.org. You won't be disappointed. it will encourage you. We need all the encouragement we can get right now. And again, become a partner. Follow us for the receipts. Go the website with your generous donation, saveus.org.